Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen? And so are you! Hello again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets bent. This is episode 55, and tonight, Patrick has laryngitis. Again, what an incredible douchebag. Tonight, we're taking another trip through time to the golden age of radio with movie legend Vincent Price as he battles a particularly nasty horde of hungry monsterettes in Escape Radio Theater's presentation of 3 skeleton key but first here's a promo for something don't ask me what i'm normally just a sex bot first he conquered youtube then he was on cadaver lab next came cinema corpse and then he was on your mom what it totally happened Nation Horror Podcast, www.krugernation.com. Hello, everybody. This is Brenza Vaccaro, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens. I'll be filling in for Patrick this evening, so let's take a moment so I can tell you about Playtex tampons. Actually, I fooled you all, says Patrick. As the introductory robot said, I have laryngitis again, as you can hear. This is actually the best of sounded in several days now. So I figure I can record a little bit, but not too much. Which is why I decided to go with another radio show, just because my voice ain't gonna last for a whole hour this time. I know you're all like, oh, thank the Lord, and I'd say, fuck you. Now, my voice is a particular concern. I always get sick as soon as I finish a show. It's just the way it is. There was something that was starting to go around among the chorus folks before the concert on the 17th. And, you know, it's when I start loading up on vitamins and sheer willpower. I will not get sick. And usually, immediately, like, the day after or two days after, I'm dead with, you know, diphtheria. Just a magnified version of whatever was going around because it's been suppressed in my system for so long. But no, it's actually held out a week. Until the day I had to go into a recording studio. Because some of you might remember when uh, Owen Robertson was on to talk about Carrie, he mentioned that I, along with a former guest star of the show, Elena Acker, are working on Owen's new musical version of Sybil. So, you know, the woman with multiple personalities. So we, he asked us all to go in and work on the demo recording. And so the day of, I got in, then all of a sudden I'm like, this isn't right. My voice, my my instrument is malfunctioning. And I, I said, you know what? I think we're going to have to do this another day. And then immediately after, you know, I sound like shit. I don't know if they're going to replace me or not. Which I totally understand. I don't want to go in until I am fresh as the daisy. Because yes, it's just a demo recording, but it's also a demo recording, which means their future of the show is writing on this recording. Are you not watching Smash? Do you not know what goes on? What the hell? Don't make me yell, I'm sick. And also, I've been cast in an actual show! Yay! 
So I'm going to be working on a show called The Red and Green Room, which I cannot talk to you about at this time. But let me just tell you, the concept of it is so brilliantly absurd, it makes me queef with joy. And as you know, that's a difficult thing for me to do because I have a penis. And as some of you may know, I've actually done it through my penis. But that's a story for a time when I can talk. Anyway. <coughs> so... Since I mentioned the concert, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, I sing with the New York City Gay Men's Chorus, and on March 16th and 17th, we had our fourth annual Big Gay Sing, which is a sing-along concert of all kinds of pop music and crazy things, and as our host Jackie Hoffman said, this show is so gay that by the time you leave, you will be so gay that you will never have to see anything gay ever again, because we are going to overdose you. And not only are we going to do that, all those things that you fought for, all those things like equal rights and marriage equality and all that other stuff, well, we're just going to shit all over that. We're setting you back 40 years, and, you know, that's what we did. Let me explain to you how gay the big gay thing was. Okay, picture it. It's one of the finales. Yes, we had multiple finales because, again, we're that gay. It's like, you thought that number was gay? Hold on. Hold your applause. We got three more that are even gayer. Okay, the first finale was called, not surprisingly, Friends of Dorothy. Ahahahaha, <laughs> are we funny? And there's no indication of what that is, but we did a lot of medleys. You know, the words being, you know, um, displayed above us so that people can sing along as if you don't know the words to somewhere. Over the rainbow, which is how this medley starts. Every faggot in the audience is like, oh my god, really? Are they really doing Wizard of Oz? I know this show is gay, but this is really, really gay. And, you know, but we are. We are doing the Wizard of Oz for a while. You know, the cast of the Wizard of Oz come out. You know, we got our little drag Dorothy, and we got the Tin Man, and the, and the Lion, and the Scarecrow, and they're all dancing around. Say, we're out of the woods, we're out of the duck, we're out of the night. You're out to see the Wizard, what of the Wizard of Oz? All that stuff, and all of a sudden, the music changes. And Dorothy, the Tin Man, the Cowardly Lion, and the woodsman enter from stage right. But you're like, what are you talking about? They're already on stage. Not that Dorothy. Not that crew of the Wizard of Oz. We're talking about the Dorothy and the crew from the Wiz invade the stage. And they take over for a while. And next thing you know, during the medley of the Wiz, there is a dance battle going on between I mean, the cast of the Wizard of Oz and the cast of the Wiz. And of course, what would it be if they didn't wind up in harmony? So the, the Wizard of Oz people learn how to boogie. And the people from the Wiz learn how to, I don't know, Jitterbug. I don't know what I'm talking about. But wait, just when you thought it was over. Now, of course, we're in the back of our little black outfits, and all of a sudden, there's a dramatic chord, thunderclap, and a black giant cape just all of a sudden envelops all 200 of us at once, and we're all under it screaming, ah, ah, and all of a sudden, a figure rises above us. And that black cape is actually the long, long dress of Elphaba from Wicked. So we have not one, not two, but three Wizard of Oz interpretations on the stage at the exact same time. Are you gay yet? Are you gay yet is what I am asking you. Anyway, Elphaba is banished. There's a big, joyous finale. The audience goes wild, standing ovations. We take our bows. We cheer out Jackie Hoffman. We gesture to the orchestra. They're screaming. They're ripping off their jock straps and throwing them on the stage. I am collecting them to sell on eBay. And as the riders applause refuses to die down, out under the stage, 
walks a silver-clad figure. A woman, sort of, in a, gl- <laughs> in a glittering silver flapper-style dress. And a bushy, bushy brown wig. Glamorous woman of blackness, that's right, it's Tina Turner, sort of. Because for the finale, Tina Turner comes out and leads the cast of The Wizard of Oz and the cast of The Wiz and the cast of Wicked and the New York City Game Man's Chorus and five other Tina Turner impersonators dressed in identical flashy silver flapper gowns in a rendition of Proud Mary. But if you do not leave the theater, yourself becoming a Proud Mary, putting the Mary in Proud Mary, and you can go fuck yourself. And that was the big gay say. Now, I was kind of upset at first because, A, it turned out I didn't get a wig for my rendition of Love Shack. Everybody else in the B-52s get a wig. Did Patrick get a wig? No. Does Patrick need a wig? Yeah. Patrick's a little on the follicularly challenged side. But did I make a complaint? No, because my outfit was so outrageous. It was so outrageous that I could have died right on the spot. I didn't because I had a number to do. God damn it. Now, the other thing that made me sad was early in the show. I didn't get to be in the opening number because I had to be in this costume and it was going to be the second number. And I'm like, that sucks. I'm missing out on the show. Damn it. But it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. And I'm like, damn it. This song's so early in the show. It's the get them going number that at the end of the night, no one's going to remember it. But you know what? Who remembers it? Me. Is there video of it? There should be. The rest of the show is videotaped. I've seen just about every other number in the show. Have I seen mine? No. I think it's because I didn't have enough drag queens behind me. Because drag queens tend to attract the cameras more than the rest of us. You know, yes, yes, there is division within our own community. That's just the way it is. It's the way it's always going to be, I suppose. But nonetheless, the crowd went bananas every time. And you know what they went bananas for? What drove them crazy? Three words. Tin. Roof. Rusted. Now, children, I gotta tell you, I had to fight like hell. Fight. Our conductor, like hell, because Charlie, bless his heart, he's British, he's a little uptight, I love him to pieces, but his forte is jazz. He, he kind of, un- he enjoys, you know, the, the musical classics, but he doesn't understand the B-52s, he doesn't understand Love Shack, he thinks it's a stupid, terrible song. He wanted to cut it from the show completely, but he was trusting the rest of the Americans that it was going to be amazing. And when I was cast in it, and I would get to the part with Tin Roof Rusted, he would stop and yell at me every time and be like, no, 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 just, Patrick, you need to just do it the way that it's written. Otherwise, it's not good. It's not good if you do it any other way. How it was written was just in time. It'd be like, bang, bang, on the door. You're what? Tin roof rusted. Love shack, baby, love shack. Let me go through that again. Bang, bang, on the door. You're what? Tin roof rusted. Love shack, baby, love shack. And I kept telling him, no, you don't understand. Those three words are going to stop the show cold. If nobody is singing along, those are the three words. They are going to shriek along. And he says, I don't understand. I don't even understand what they mean. And I said, no one does, Charlie. That's part of the appeal. Have you ever been to a drunken karaoke party and somebody does that? Everybody, shit stops. Shit stops. The world stops spinning when it comes time for Tin Roof Rusted. 
Drunk girls who are vomiting will lift their heads out of the toilet and go, Tim, rusty, blah, and go back and continue. Shit stops, Charlie. You simply must change this and change it now, or you will make me the most hated man in America. And he would not believe me until the night of the performance when he got a note from his boyfriend who was visiting from London who said, what the fuck are you doing with Tin Room Frosted? And then all of a sudden, I was allowed to do it my way. And I said, Charlie, if I'm going to do it my way, I'm going to do it my way. Which means I'm going to stretch that shit out as long as humanly possible. Of course, judging on the audience, the more they scream, the longer I go. So instead of Tin Roof Rusted, it was more like this. Wait for it. Rusted. And they'd go bananas and they were setting their bras on fire. I don't know why they were doing that, but it was awesome. And I would turn and look at Charlie and say, told ya. This is why we kicked your ass back in 1776, sir. So <laughs> that's the concert. That's my stories. If this video, I'll post it. Go check out the video, the pictures that I posted on Facebook. I'll put them on the webpage as well because they're hilarious. And speaking of hilarious... This isn't very nice. That I'm going to tell you right now. This isn't very nice, but I like to keep it real here. This is an old truth zone. Why do I sound more like Rush Limbaugh? This episode, Rush Limbaugh or that other asshole. I just, that no truth. I just, I'm keeping it real is what I'm saying, 24-7. Now, a lot of you know I've been going through this whole breaking in of my CPAP machine for my sleep apnea. And it has been, <clears throat> excuse me. It has been an issue. I mean, it has been a procedure. It has been a constant battle. I don't understand this machine and its functions and its side effects because I have to wear the full face mask, which really sucks. It really, really sucks. It's very uncomfortable. Other people have the one that just, the two little things under your nose. And everyone's like, oh, this is so comfortable. I love them. And I'm like, fuck you. I know they're comfortable. You know how I know they're comfortable? Because they're called nasal pillows. I have a mask. You've got pillows. Fuck you. And now the reason I have to wear this mask is because I have a deviated septum. According to my doctor, my left nostril is pretty much useless. So until I get the surgery, I'm supposed to use this mask. So they had to give me the full face mask because, you know, anything involving my nose is pretty much not going to do much good because the whole point of the CPAP machine is to force air up your nose. But if there's no passage for the air to go, then you're just causing more problems. So what I wind up happening, I wind up breathing through my mouth with the mask. Now, of course, this is increased air pressure. So what has been happening? Is at some point in the middle of the night, I will wake up in screaming pain, like, ah, ah. I'm sorry, like, you couldn't understand what screaming pain was, but I'm gonna illustrate it anyway, like, ah. And I wake up and I look in the mirror, I look down at my stomach, and I look like I'm Jessica Simpson, all fucking pregnant with twins, about to start crowning. My stomach is distended, and not just like a little bit distended, like Jonestown distended, to be completely distasteful about the whole thing. And it's all air. I have been gulping down air while I sleep. And I've tried to call my doctor about this, and they never call me back, so fuck them. So this is extremely painful. So I'll be like, oh, 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 my God, my baby. Oh, God, my baby's kicking. And then uh, at some point, you know, as pressure restores itself, it's got to come out. 
and this is where it's unpleasant. Because now I suffer from a specific brand of farts. CPAP farts. And what makes them different than regular kinds of farts? Like regular farts like toot, or they honk, or they, you know, go blah, 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 blah. You know, they slap the cheeks a bit. These are so fascinating because it's a massive amount of air exiting my body at one time. So it does not honk, it does not squeak, it does not flap the cheeks. It's kind of like a foghorn or something to signal the end of the world. It's just like this. And now all you musical theater queens are now going, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. And I'm laughing with you because it is. It's like a shofar. It's like signaling the Kraken in Clash of the Titans. But it's my ass. Do you feel that much closer to me? Good. Because you really don't want me to Dutch oven you when I'm in this situation. Because, I don't know, the bed will probably just, I don't know, float away like something in bed knobs and broomsticks. Hot air balloon. Up, up, and away in my CPAP fart balloon. Okay, now I'm hearing that my voice is getting a little better and also a little worse. So it's time for me to stop yapping. Now, again, we're going back to the golden age of radio. The show is called uh, as, the show is called Escape. And every week they talked about daring escapes. And this one features horror legend Vincent Price himself. And he's working at this, well, it's not abandoned, but it's a deserted lighthouse. You know, it's on this little bit of an island, but when the tide's in, there's no island anymore. It's just the lighthouse. So there's no way to get off. There's no way to get on. And he works there with two other people. And then one night, he's got his ship comes in with visitors who aren't particularly friendly. Um, Also, before I get started, I just want to say a thank you to everybody who called in, but especially Betty and Durwood, the Lund Fontaines of the Scream Queens Horror Podcast, because I, I, when I realized I was going to have difficulty filling up the time, I reached out to them and said, please, could you send me one of your magical voicemails? And they did. And I love that. Because we're a family here. A really fucked up family that you don't want to take home to meet your real family, but we're the cooler family, aren't we? Enough of my babbling. So let's get into it. So, um, I couldn't decide what kind of music to play as an intro, so I'm going to play both of them. It's a medley, but not without Dorothy's. You know what would have made that medley even better? Because you had Dorothy from The Wizard, you had Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, you should have thrown in one more Dorothy. You should have thrown in Dorothy from The Golden Girls. Just battle it out. That would have been awesome. But they were on earlier in the show. Because you know why? Because it was gay. Of course the Golden Girls showed up, for Christ's sake. Jesus Christ, why are I starting the show? Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we're heading back to 1950. Deal with it. Life's too mysterious You work, you save, you worry 
memory so But you can't take it out when you go, go, go So keep repeating, it's the berries The strongest oak must fall The sweet things in life to you were just loan So how can you lose what you've never owned? Life is just a bowl of cherries So live and laugh at it all Tired of the everyday routine? Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all? We offer you... Escape! Escape! Designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. Tonight... We escape to a lonely lighthouse off the steaming jungle coast of French Guiana and a nightmare world of terror and violence as we bring you again in response to hundreds of requests Three Skeleton Key, starring Vincent Price. Picture this place. A gray tapering cylinder welded by iron rods and concrete to the key itself. A bare black rock, 150 feet long, maybe 40 wide. That's at low tide. At high tide, just the lighthouse rising 110 feet straight up out of the ocean. And all about it, the churning water. Gray-green scum dappled warm as soup. And swarming with gigantic bat-like devilfish. Great violet schools of Portuguese man-of-war. And yes, sharks, the big ones, the 15-footers. And as if this weren't enough, there was a hot, dank, rotten-smelling wind that came at us day and night off the jungle swamps of the mainland. A wind that smelled like death. A wind that had smelled the slow and frightful death that came one night to this bare black rock. Set in the base of the light was a watertight bronze door. And in you went. And up. Yes, up and up and round and round. Past the tanks of oil and the coils of rope, casks of wicks, racks of lanterns, sacks of spuds and cartons and cans. And up. And up and up. Round and round. Over the light storeroom was the food storeroom, and over the food storeroom was the bunk room where the three of us slept. And over the bunk room was the living and cooking room, and over the living and cooking room was the light. She was a beauty, big steel and bronze baby with the sun gleaming through the glass walls all about, bouncing, blinding little beams off the big shining reflectors, glittering and refracting through her lenses, the whole gigantic bulk of her balanced like a ballerina on the glistening steel axle of her rotary mechanism. She was a sweetheart of a light. And at night, she'd lie there on the stone deck of the gallery with her revolving smoothly and quietly over your head, easing her bright white eye 360 degrees around the horizon. You'd lie there watching to see that the feeders kept working, that everything ran right. And it wouldn't be bad, the other two fellows snoring in their sacks two levels down. 
You'd smoke your pipe to kill the stink of the wind, and it wouldn't be bad. About those other two, Louis and Auguste. What a pair. Louis, he was head man, was a big fellow from the Basque country. Black beard, little hard black eyes, and a pair of arms that I tell you those arms were as big around as my legs. Yes, head man he was, and what word he let go was law. A silent fellow, and although I spent my first two weeks trying to strike up a real conversation... The most I could ever get out of him was... Jean, I took up this profession because I don't like people. They want to talk too much. It's quiet work, light tending. Let's keep it that way. You, you're getting to be as bad as Auguste. I thought maybe for once they send me somebody... Who that was Louis. When he accused me of becoming like Auguste, I quieted down. Because Auguste was the talkingest man I'd ever met. The talkingest and the ugliest. He was hunchbacked, stood four feet high, had red hair and big blue eyes. It seems he'd been an actor in Paris. Yes, indeed. Played in over 200 different productions, dear boy, at the Grand Guignol. Oh, but it was monstrous horrible, the way we used to scare the audiences. I, I was hated. Yes, yes, they used to throw things and hiss and bare their teeth at me. Finally, it got too bad. I couldn't stand it any longer. I gave up the theater. My nerves, you understand, yes? Gave it up completely. I really did. Couldn't stand it any It all started one morning at 2.30. I was on watch, lying on the cool stone deck, pulling on my pipe, staring out at the blackness, the phosphorescent combers, and the big yellow stars, when out of the corner of my eye, I noticed something show up for a second, something the light had touched, far off. I waited for her to come around again, and when she did, there it was. A big one, about a half mile off and coming down out of the north-northwest, coming straight for us. You must understand, our light was where it was for a very good reason. Dangerous submerged reefs surrounded us and ships kept clear. But this one, this sailing vessel, was coming straight on. I went over to the gallery door and yelled, Louis! Louis! Couldn't understand it. I waited for the light to come around again. I had the glasses out now. I couldn't read her name, but I could see her quite plainly. All sails set, the foam creaming away under her bow, her beautiful lines. A Dutch ship, I guessed her. But why didn't she turn? Every time it passed, our light hit her with the glare of day. Ship? Where? North, northwest. The light will touch her in a moment. Can't they see? Look at her. She just keeps coming on. Yeah, the square head. What is it? What is it? Watch north, northwest. I know. I know what it is. Huh? What? The Dutchman. The flying Dutchman. We did a play about her once. Oh, what a performance. You ghastly, gallian, hag-ridden, cursed-ribbon. Must all... Shut up, will you? She's loving. Yes. Sloppy way to come about. She's derelict, that's it. Derelict? Abandoned. The crew left her for some reason or other. But instead of sinking, she's gone on, running before every wind. She'll not run long. Not with these reefs to break her up. A beautiful ship. Now, why would men leave a beautiful ship like that? 
didn't ram us, although we all expected it. But as we waited for the crash, she luffed again, caught some odd gust, and went about. We watched her the rest of those black hours, heeling and rocking, pushed and pulled by every stray wind, every freak current. Watched her until the dawn came, till the sea turned from black to a pearly gray. And on she came again, heading for us. We all had our glasses trained on her now. August, you can kill the light. Right, Chief? She doesn't look so good by daylight. Think she'll ground this time? What? I say, do you think she'll ground this time? This is impossible. Absolutely impossible. What? Here. Take my glasses. They're better than yours. All right. What is it you're... I had to focus, and then my breath froze in my throat. The decks were swarming with a dark brown carpet that looked like a gigantic fungus, but undulating. And on the masts and yards, the guys and all were hundreds, no thousands, no mi- I don't know, an endless number of enormous rats. See them? Yes, I see them. Now we know why she's derelict. Yes, now we know. What are you two doing? Here, give me a look. Yes, give him the glasses. Take a good look, chatterbox. Give you something to talk about. She's still heading for us. Yes. <sighs> She's going to turn. She better turn soon. <sighs> suppose she doesn't. You mean suppose she piles up on the key? It's slow tide. Yes. Yes, it is. Where's all the conversation, August? Huh? Here, want the glasses again? <sighs> What another look? No, no. She's still coming on. Go away. Go away. Turn, will you? Turn, I say. I pray you. Turn. She's climbing up. The rats. Look. On the water. Like a carpet. They're swimming. Sure, they're swimming. Those are ship's rats. But they're swimming for the rocks. The door below. It's open. Come on. Down we went, racing down the stone stairs, taking them three and four at a time. Scared? You bet we were scared. August, you get the windows. Maybe they can climb. We don't know. Reggie, but hurry, hurry. Look. See them? No. Oh, yes, I do. Up at the other end of the rock. Look at the millions. They smell us. Here they come. Uh. Close the door. Can't it, can't it. Here, let me. Oh, you, you, you. Made it. Holy. That was close. One guy in. Look, there. Get him. He's big. He's as big as a turtle. Bigger. And his eyes were wild and red, his teeth long and sharp and yellow. He went for us, hard and ravenous, and we fought him, fought that one rat all over the room. It was, oh, believe me, I do not exaggerate, it was like fighting a panther. Got him. We better get aloft. As we ran up the winding staircase, we passed the tiny windows of the various levels. And at every one was a thick, wriggling, screaming curtain of brown fur. I was ahead of Louie, and I dreaded each successive level. Suppose they had found a way in. Look at them. Will you look at them? It's a nightmare. Will you look at them? The air of the gallery was thick and fetid with the stink of them. 
The light was dim, brown, filtered through the crawling mass that swarmed over the glass all about us. I could not see the sky, nothing, nothing but them. Their red eyes, their claws, their wriggling hairy snouts, their teeth, the rats. They screamed and howled and threw themselves against the glass. They were starving. And we three, we stood very quietly. Very, very quietly in the center of the classroom under our beautiful light. And we waited. What can we do? What can we do? Take it easy, old man. Take it easy. I can't. I just can't. It won't do any good to stand here and shake. Uh, that's right. Anybody want a cigarette? Yes. Yes, I have one. Thank you. Good boy. We've got to keep calm about this thing. Here's a light. Yeah, they don't like the fire, do they? Guess not. <laughs> Give me another match. <laughs> you don't like that much, do you? Like? Don't rile them, August. <laughs> Give me some more matches. I'll strike them and strike them and strike them until they get scared and go away. They won't go away. <laughs> not until... Initiative. Not until what? Not until they've been... Fed. You can take just so much horror and then you get used to it. And they were interesting to watch, you know. They couldn't understand the class. They could see us and they could rush at us, but that thin, invisible barrier held them off, stopped them. From time to time, we caught a glimpse of the rocks below. More rats down there, swarming brown velvet in the bright tropical sunlight. And then the tide began to rise. If only it had drowned some of them. Ships rats don't drown. <laughs> no, sir, you cannot drown one of them. They're all climbing up the tower. This bunch around us is getting thicker. Yeah. Say, what's the time? Quarter six. You've got first watch, John. Right. Uh, wake me at ten. I will. Come along, Abbas. It was getting dark. One side of the room was lit a soft, filtered red. Sunset through the rats. Oh, very pretty. I set the wicks, checked my fuel, and then lit the lamps. It caught them. Lit them in their gigantic wriggling web of pale, hairless bellies, twitching red tails, bright eyes. Then I started the rotary motor. Life drove them mad as she swung slowly and smoothly about. She blinded them in the fierce, stabbing bar of light, moving continually about, ever turning, ever touching, ever moving around and around. And they twitching and shuddering, eyes flaming when they were struck by the light bright light moving, and behind on the dark side of the room, so close, so close, I dared not turn my back, but you cannot help turning your back when you're in a room made of glass. On the dark side of the room, you could not see them, but only their eyes. Thousands of points of blank red light blinking and twinkling like the stars of hell. me at ten, but I didn't get much sleep that night, and when I came up into the gallery early next morning, 
Bolstered August is back to me. He was bowing to the rats, waving his arms and making a speech. I am going to play once again that magnificent role which made me the toast of the Paris theater. Prelate, the evil genius of the medieval underworld. I am he who did guide the dark soul of the Marichal into the nether parts. <laughs> Do not be frightened, little children. I will not hurt turning. you. I much. stood staring at him, horror struck, but he didn't notice me. The man had gone mad. He kept turning, telling his stories to all the rats, leaving no one out. August! August! Ah, another one. A latecomer. Take a seat on the aisle, dear patron. Agus, Move stop over it, there. Stop it. Let the gentleman be but seated. He didn't come, come. He went on, bowing and scraping to the rats, his big blue eyes rolling and winking, his wild red hair waving about him. I grabbed him by the arm. He looked at me like a child. And then his face screwed up. He looked as though he were about to cry. Go below, go on. Oh, very well, then. Later, my dear audience, later. Matinee today. Sure, he was crazy. But I guess we all were. A few hours later, he came back up and caught Louie and me teasing the rats. Yes. Sounds horrible? <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> We could get right up against the glass and make faces at them. It drove them crazy. They would scratch away trying to get at our eyes. Louis was even cuter about it. He'd pull a piece of bread out of his pocket and press it against the glass. The rats would scramble into a solid ball, biting each other, clustering like grapes. From time to time, a whole knot of them would slip and fall 110 feet to the surf below. Sharks. They're eating them. Yeah, the sharks are our friends. Here, here. I'll get another bunch together. Here, my beauty. That's it. Pile of kill each other. There they go. Auguste joined in, too. Oh, very ingenious, Auguste. He learned that if he spread-eagled himself against the glass, they'd bunch and bundle against his figure. Then he'd leap back. Look! My portrait in rats. It went on all day. And then I was lying in bed. It was about midnight. I was very tired and I was just beginning to fall off to sleep when I became conscious of a new sound. Couldn't figure it at first. I got up, lit the lamp and went to the window. Even as I looked at it, I saw one of the panes begin to sag in. They had eaten the wood away. Louis, Louis, come uh, quick. What? What is it? They found a way in. I held the glass with my hand. Now they were all going crazy and assured of the success of this maneuver, were all nibbling away at the wood. Louis ran below and then returned with a large sheet of tin. We spread it against the window and hammered it into place. Even as we did so, we felt the heavy body scudding against the other side as the window gave way. That ought to hold. If it doesn't, we're done for. Rats can't eat tin. No, they can't. What was that? I don't know. It came from below. The storeroom window. They're in. They're swarming up the stairs. Drop the trap. Right. Two of them got in. Let's go after them. We didn't have to go after them. They came at us. 
I leaped to one side and grabbed a marlin spike, swung and smashed one in midair. No! I whirled to see Louie with the other. It had ripped his hand open and the blood was pouring all over the place. He held his hand aloft and kicked at the snarling rat. I stepped and swung and got him. My hand! He got my hand! That's both of them, Louie. I'll, I'll get you something to tie that up. Blood! Look at it, my... My blood! I'm bleeding! Now, don't worry about it, Louie. Here, look. I'll wind this kerchief around it. It'll be okay. Blood! There, now. It's not bad. Just the flesh. Then I became conscious of another new sound. They were gnawing their way through the wooden trap door. I watched the wood fascinated. Even as I did, it began to give way. And a bristling, whiskery nose showed through... Louie, Louie, we've got to go up. Next level was the middle quarters in the kitchen. I slammed the trap door there, too. But it, too, was wood. Uh, my blood. What are we going to do? I don't know. We'll be through this one in a moment. The gallery. The trap door in the gallery is metal. Good. Come on. We made it. lay across the trap door exhausted. While below us, the rats took over the entire tower. I could hear them howling and fighting over our food supply, our water, our leather. And all about us, the others screamed and glared in at us, swayed in a tangled mass, hypnotized by the ever-turning light. By morning, the air in the little room was horrible. Until now, we'd been getting air from the tower below. Now that was sealed off. And so was all our food and water. We lay exhausted, panting, waiting, waiting. The hours crawled on. I was almost dozing from fatigue when I saw a sight that brought me too fast. <laughs> Would you like to come in, my beauty? Would you? I hold the powers of life and death, and I can let you in with all. August was standing by the glass, and in one hand he held a wrench. He was tapping the glass gently, not quite hard enough to break it. I eased myself to my feet, and slowly, very slowly, tiptoed toward him. All I have to do is tap just a little harder. As a... I found a coil of wire in the toolkit and I trussed him up, fastened him to a stanchion in the center of the room. Louis was of no help. He lay on his side looking at his bloody hand, weak and sick as a baby. So there I was, a lunatic and a coward for company, and all about watching our little drama, The Rats. <laughs> supply boat wasn't due for another 12 days. I don't know what they could have done if they had come. We had only one way of summoning them, and that was to shoot off distress rockets, but the rockets were four floors below. And even if they'd been right there in the gallery, I couldn't have opened a window to fire them. That night, I tended the light, but its flame was devouring our oxygen. The following day, we lay, thirst-tormented, starving, waiting, waiting, and the following night, I again tended the light, but the small supply of spare wicking we kept in the gallery had become exhausted, and 
quite suddenly, about midnight, the light went out. There's nothing I could do. Wicks were stored three levels below. Nothing I could do. Nothing. From time to time, I'd strike a match to see the clock. When I did, it lit up the million red eyes about us. All about us. Watching. Waiting. Below, it had grown quiet. They'd cleaned us out, and now they, too, were waiting. All waiting. And then... The rats, quite suddenly, were silent. And then I heard it. And then I saw the sky and the stars. The rats were gone. I went to the glass. Out there on the water, a small freighter, a banana boat, showing a few lights, came softly and innocently at us. The light was out. They didn't know. I wanted to open the windows to call out to them, to warn them somehow, but I was afraid. What if, what if the rats were hiding from me, tricking me? So I waited. She grounded very softly on a reef not 200 yards from the key. Grounded so gently that the man playing the cornet, was he a passenger or crewman off watch, didn't even stop playing. They tried washing her back off. I could have told them to save their fuel. The tide was rising, would have floated her free. And I waited. That's all. That's the story. The sun came up and there wasn't a rat on the whole key. Every last one of that terrible army had left us, gone back to sea on their new ship. Auguste, insane asylum, he never recovered. And Louis? They took him into Cayenne where he died of blood poisoning from his bite. Well, that's the whole of it. And if you'll excuse me now, I must go set my traps. No, no mouse traps. No rats in this lighthouse, I should say not. Life in the lights isn't bad. But sometimes when I see a strange vessel approaching, I get a little nervous, sure. Somewhere on the seas, there's a little banana boat without a crew. That is, without a human crew. Escape is produced and directed by William N. Robeson. Tonight we have presented Three Skeleton Key by George Tadeus, adapted for radio by James Poe and starring Vincent Price as Jean. Supporting Mr. Price were Harry Bartell as August and Jeff Corey as Louis. Sound effects on Three Skeleton Key, created by Cliff Thorsness and executed today by Mr. Thorsness, Gus Bays, and Jack Sixsmith, have been awarded the best of the year by Radio and Television Life magazine. 
Harry Essman was at the control panel, and special music was arranged and conducted by Del Castillo. Next week... You are swimming for your life in the dangerous waters off the Florida Gulf Coast. About to... And Betty, Yay. we thought we would it's change it up a bit for you this time. Uh, just call in to say hey and hey. Uh, touch on a few things we've been listening to, watching, and stuff like that. Um, first of all, your Facebook pictures were awesome of the big gay thing. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the Love Shack uh, shots were great. Your shoes were um, amazing. I love the picture where you're staring right into the camera. Yeah, that's a good a great one. expression. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Anticipation. Um, and thanks to the lyrics uh, posted up above you on the big screen. You knew exactly where you were. Yeah, I could almost hear it. Almost it's like you it. were there. But I guess she's saying, got me a Chrysler. It's as big as a whale. It was about to set sail one too many, many times. Because uh, now you can't talk at all. Sorry about your laryngitis. And now Brad, Brad uh, gave you a little flu bug. So know, what a dick. Good times. Guys, Brad. <laughs> Uh, anyway, are you sick of Carrie yet? Never. Uh, we have Carrie things to say. Yes, Carrie, 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 Carrie. Bring it on, girls. Anyway, <laughs> we have this friend that, um, well, we've known him for a while, but not that well. But we could just always tell. We work in a hospital. Yes, there's we work like in a, we should 2,000 employees there. Yes. We kind of see this guy every now and then. And yeah, he wears South Park ties and he has kind of crazy calendars Edward Gorey calendars yeah yes. so we knew he was our people but he's a little shy so Aww. we kind of uh, sent him friend requests on Facebook and he accepted so it was really yes. odd because right after we finished listening to your Carrie broadcast threesome um, I mean, he what? posted yes, a picture of a scene from the original Broadway show of Carrie oh. and I'm like, yeah, it was that weird it was really weird <laughs> So, uh, is he a listener? Spread the Scream Queens love. Yeah, we told him about your show. We did. I don't know if he's listened yet, but just in case. Hi, Steve. Hey, Steve. Hey, Steve. How you Um, doing? But we told him about you and and the podcast, and um, it's it's pretty cool that when you meet like-minded people, it's always a treat. Totally. Um, And speaking of Gary, yeah, we also found out he has tickets to the new show. Oh my God! How could I forget? Yeah, he he has tickets to the new show. Oh well, it's closed. 
Yeah. The was, show is canceled now. It closes on the 8th. I'm sure yeah. you probably are already aware. Mm-hmm. Um, and But he was able, luckily, to... switch to, out his tickets to the 7th yes, or something. Yes, like Lucky. So lucky. he will be able to give us a review on that. Uh, so I'm looking the forward to hearing what he has to say about it. All right, one more Carrie thing. All right, yeah. And <laughs> tell Steve to call in with a review. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're listening to carry the audiobook now as well. So yes. we just can't get enough. This is basic one. But Sissy Spacek reads it, and she does a really nice job with her little southern drawl. Well, and uh, all the characters are pretty much spot on from it, the movie. Yeah, where we are now, at least in the book. Yeah, we're not very far. We're only up to the point where Carrie's just Page learning three. to lift a hairbrush. <laughs> Which wasn't in the movie. No, it was not. But and very interesting. Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> <clears throat> and I agree with, uh, was it Emily, your friend Emily, that called yes, in and said she wants to see plot. an adaptation where there's a fat carry with acne because that has so much to do with why she's ostracized. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Besides her mother and her wacky religion. Being but weird. Um, yeah, we, we like the book. It's it's uh, very good. And we've actually been listening to a yeah, lot we're of the audio book kick. Yeah. Because we're in the car a lot right now uh, together. And so we listened to It by Stephen King. Which was oh epic. Yeah, it took about three years. <laughs> no, about that. three months to listen to. <laughs> um, but what an awesome book. I haven't read that Who since read I was really young. And, and Stephen Weber does a good job reading it. Oh, he well, does. And it's a masterpiece. That book is, is just awesome. So Great. that was cool. And we also listened to one. Uh, called A Dirty Job by this author Christopher Moore Christopher Moore really good writer Um, it's more more of a comedy type type thing but it's it's got horror themes to it it's just a good balance I like the way he writes yeah I read about him a little blurb about him in Fangoria or Rue Morgue I think Uh and I went and checked out the first of his trilogy for vampires Uh, well it's not for vampires (laughs) (laughs) Are you a vampire? <laughs> There's something I have to tell you. Oh, no. wow. I'm scared. <laughs> no, it's about vampires. And the first uh, volume is called... Um, Blood-sucking, Blood-sucking Fiends. Blood-sucking Fiends. Yes. And then, Which I wouldn't read because the cover of the book looked like a girl book. Yeah, so they I, look like young adult fiction. The girl book. They're real bright colors. Yeah, it was a bad choice because the books are so much more than that. Yeah, they're very adult. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, yeah, there's Blood-sucking Freaks. And then fiends. Fiends. Damn it! Get it right. Uh, and then freaks or something. You else. suck and bite me. What? That what? Oh. <laughs> That's what the books are called. Oh. No, they're really oh, good oh. though. You should check them out. They're, it makes you laugh, and he writes the characters very well, and it's um, bloody and gory and funny all okay. at the same time. Good okay. stuff. Um, and we have to apologize because we're seriously lacking in our horror Stoned. movie watching. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I think the last thing we watched at the theater was uh, Woman in Black. Which was great. Yeah. I liked that a lot. And um, then at home we watched The Thing remake with Darren's two boys who are 13, 13 and 15. And 15. Oh, We're working young, young minds. Yeah, man. But we made them watch the original first so good. they can see where this all came from. Doing yeah, right. and it's fun. scared. Yeah, it's fun watching them go through this. Yeah, yeah. it is cool. We're, we're just... Um, we're ruining them. As a matter of fact, yeah. both of them had to use the bathroom after watching the original thing, and they would be to stand at the door. And it's only like three feet away from the couch. That's but perverted. But we watched Insidious with them. That's perverted. And all the paranormal activities, so 
We're terrible adults. You're terrible, wonderful. Terrible. Eh, they like it. Yeah, I think they wonderful. do. But um, I like the thing remake. I thought it was good. Nothing will touch John Carpenter's. No. Um, but I did like how they finally <laughs> tied John it Carpenter's in thing. Uh, with John. the beginning of the of the original during the uh, end during credits. The credits. So, Is that a spoiler? Ooh. Patty. <laughs> okay, we gotta go. Everybody I'm starting to spoil. That. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Patrick. That's all we can think of, and I think seven minutes of us is probably Oops, really sorry. long enough for anybody to take. <laughs> okay. Talk to you later. Bye, Patrick. Feel better. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Seriously, I love you guys. It's, thank you so much for stepping up in my time of need. I, it really means a lot to me. And I, I got to find a sounder to make for you guys because you need a proper introduction. You're like Scream Queens royalty all of a sudden, like I said, the Lunt Fontaines. You said in your email, you're like, we're the Lunt Fontaines. And I said, no, 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 they're the Lunt Fontaines. But then I realized the Luntzes, that's the family in the, Adam, in the, the Adams family, in the Amityville Horror. So you could be the Lunt Fontaines because that would be the Scream Queens variation. I'm sorry. I'm feverish today. Anyway, um, what do I got to say here? Not for nothing, but you guys are awfully giggly, this call. I mean, really, really giggly, particularly Durwood over there. Now, I know you guys are musicians and in a band and stuff, so, you know, if you're smoking the reefer, that's totally expected. You know, I know you're really more of wine people, but, you know, I'm just saying. I'm not accusing you of anything, but you're awfully giggly. And yes, that look on my face in that photograph, Derwood, that you were commenting on, that is me in the wait-for-it moment between Tin Roof and Rusted to see how much they'd scream. So that is very deliciously evil face. And I'm so glad that you told me about this guy, Steve. Hi, Steve. I hope you're listening because you sound cool. And you better call in with a review of Carrie if you're listening because if you don't, I know when you're going to see it. I'll wait outside the theater and scream for Steve. I'll be like, Steve! Where are you, Steve? And I'll look on Betty and Durwood's friend pages and I will find you because this is the glory of new media. And I'll be making your world a creepier place. You're welcome. I loved the book It. I have a thing with clowns. I have always had a thing with clowns. And somebody gave me that book to read when I was sick with the flu. And it was the old, old, old. It was before the, the miniseries or anything like that. So I didn't know what it was about. Like with two pages in, I'm like, God damn it, it's a clown. I hate everybody. But I stuck with it. And I think it's genius. I think it's brilliant. My only beef with it is that you could skip about well, 400 pages because I don't think I read any of the Dairy Chronicles. You know, the flashback stuff. Because it always came at a high point. In the story, it was this tense moment. I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't wait 25 pages to find out what's going on in the book. So I would, and I've tried to read them at other times, but I'm like, I can't, I can't. I need to know what's going on in the main story. I should read them separately. But you know, some people who are put off by the size of the book, you could skip that shit. It's fine. I mean, it adds layers and depths and depth, depths. It has layers and it has layers of dip to the story. <laughs> <laughs> Cold medicine's fun. Maybe I'm the one who's on the reefer. I don't know. Christopher Moore, I'm really going to have to give him another try. I heard great things about him, and I read Practical Demon Keeping, and I thought it was perhaps the worst thing I have ever read. I don't remember a damn thing about it, except I just could not get into it in the slightest. But if you guys like it, I might have to take out, you know, I might have to walk up to my librarian and say, 
bite me or you suck to her just to watch her her little cat's eye glasses fall off of her face and dangle on the chain between her saggy boobs. This just got weird. Thanks for calling, guys. You are the best and the other best. Hello, Patrick. Vaughn. Hello, Beef. Hello, Vaughn. Beef. Beef? You were bagging on the proud fucking little town of Asbury Park. How dare you, sir? I wasn't. Being a man who lives only about a half hour away from that town, definitely not a bad town. But you went at the wrong time. Dude. I like, said what, I did. Large? Yeah. If it's, an, if it's a freaking seashore town, they're fucking vacant. You have to really go there during the summers. Man. I'm aware of that. Any time really, anything's really going on. And on the weekends. Because there's some, hey, if you live around here, you kind of know the cool place to hang out in that town. Mm-hmm. And you kind of know where to hide and kind of stay away from the, what are they like calling you people? Um, what are they calling you people? They don't like call, they call out of town or some lame friggin' thing. I don't know. I don't like it. Oh, um, those people. Those us people. But, you know, so, so sad that you had such a bad time in Azure Park. I don't honest, have a bad Azure time. Park, I'm allowed to say it. It's a shitty town. <sighs> friggin', it's one half, you know, scum projects. Ooh. The other half, kind of interesting, um, you know, overly rich, like, zealous tree DC. Yeah, I noticed that. Um, there are some cool places in that town. There's some cool theaters, some cool clubs to hang out in. Um, but, you know, should I tell you? Nah, you can find out on your own. If you want to find out, you can email me. Fuck and you. I'll tell you all about them. You know, the straight ones, the gay ones. You know, it's been from mostly all of them in that town. You know, you kind of make you fun as you go along. You know what I mean? Especially you live in Jersey. Ugh, so fucking depressing. Anyway, um, the two movies you reviewed, Detective Walker 17, and the Vampire film, I can't remember the title of the film now, actually is, when you guys talked about it, yeah, it was another one of the films I saw when I was a kid on HBO. Uh-huh. You know, I think, wasn't, didn't he still have the tan in that film, too? Like, they tried to make it look like he didn't have a hardcore tan, but oh, he they did tried, they still failed. have the hardcore tan throughout that whole movie, which made it even weirder. Uh-huh. Um... Yeah, it's not one of those films that, like, I don't think, like, you guys are saying that you can, you should, like, um, bring a whole bunch of kids nowadays and make them watch it. I think they would fall asleep. You know? uh-huh. They would really get the jokes. And no, if they did, I slow. think, I think maybe more of the racial stuff would probably offend them. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of the kids nowadays are kind of really, uh, Uptight? Pussies. Yeah. Thank you. Because their parents have brought them up to be pussies. Um, yeah, but that's about it. I think I'm going to get cut off soon, so I just wanted to say, uh, thanks. Uh, fuck you for um, bagging on Asbury Park. I didn't! Um, and just fuck you for being a New Yorker, you know? Fuck you, know, you for being you, me. New York scum are the uh, reason why a lot of people don't like New Jersey in the summer. I hope you heard that. Oh, God. Right, did, you, did you just flush? Did you... I just, Ew... You know, I'm glad I didn't actually hear whatever the hell that was because, you know, I was just so bored. I was so bored. You're just droning on and on. And to be perfectly honest, you're hard to hear through that like gigantic muff of a beard that you have on your face. You know, it just acts like one big buffer zone. But, yeah, I do not bust on Asbury Park. I said straight up that we were there in the offseason. There was a reason why we were there in the offseason. I mean, we weren't there to play. We were there to work. 
And I did have a good time. I just told you that I'm not allowed to talk about the kind of good time that I had in Asbury Park because it's against the law. It's against the gay code. So there. Uh, yeah, and I noticed the zealotry. Yeah, because I, I, for those of you who did hear me talk, I said there was this weird line down the middle of the town and one side was run down, the other side was all these mansions and creepy buildings that were huge and looked like some strange sort of temples, which turns out they were. It's all land that's owned by the Methodist Church. So the Methodist Church owns all these mansions, which I guess is the accounting for the zealotry. And, you know, as for clubs, we weren't there for that. We didn't have time. We made our own fun because, good Lord, whatever was going on in the clubs had nothing about what was going on in my pants. What? I mean, in, in the hotel is what I meant to say. But uh, what did I want to say about Asbury Park? I guess just that it, you know, it I, it sucks because it's in Jersey and you suck because you're in Jersey. No, actually, Jersey sucks because you're in it, bitch. Fuck you. Thank you for wasting my time on my show, eating up my fucking bandwidth with your whining. With your big vaginal whining. Thanks for calling, Vaughn. You light up my life. Hey, Patrick. This is Chad from Boston calling. How are hey, you? Hey, sweet Pete. Um, I'm good. Evan. Looking forward to seeing you in Gala, by the way. And uh, also, good luck at your concert this weekend. It was I hope genius. we get to see some pictures, especially of you in those six-inch pumps. They're out. They hit um, the web today. A couple things. I loved your Carrie episode. Of course you did. show, when, uh, uh, the movie, I saw it as a young kid on TV. And when the hand popped out at the end, it scarred me for life. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But loved it. And I also just your love at first bite episode. I can't talk. I'm trying to drive at the same time. I know I shouldn't do that. But Don't do that. God. But loved it. First bite. Loved it. I loved your little clothes, by the way. He was awesome. Um, that movie is great. Susan St. James, by the way, was born, was not born, but raised in my hometown of Rockford, Illinois. So How about that? I'm a big Susan St. James fan, and... You forgot one of, or just didn't bother to mention, one of her big credits where she played Rock Hudson's wife for years. Uh, yeah. Millen and Wife. Millen and Wife, so, yes. So, go figure. But anyways, uh, great movie and great show. I'm actually calling to submit for your approval yes. a movie that we just saw the other <gasps> week uh, called The Dead. The, the Dead. I'm mentioning this is I have not heard anybody, yourself or other horror podcasts, discuss this movie, and we saw it at Target for sale, Blu-ray and regular, and like, it was a big major release, and we're like, what the hell is this movie? The Dead. So it's we picked it up, and it is a zombie movie that takes place in Africa, mm-hmm. and it is awesome. There's some great war scenes, there's some great tension, it was pretty amazing. Um, best part of the movie was the fact that, well, it's basically two guys trying to escape the zombie apocalypse and get to this safe zone, and we follow them as they go through. Yes. And one of the two is this black guy who is wonderful, and he is... Do you remember on Designing Women when Bernice used to go around going, Black Man? Yes! Oh, sorry, I haven't worked up my voice. Yes, that guy! Man. That's okay, I have well, laryngitis. Let me tell you, you will be singing Black Man when you watch this movie, because, oh my God, this is good looking. Not it's to the mention, there guy? is a scene with a... A fresh water pump in this village where they stop and she pumps out the water and basically strips down and takes a bath in the cold water and my partner and I were just sitting there like <gasps> wow that was worth getting the blu-ray for yay <laughs> I it for your approval. cheap thrills awesome 
So that's it. Really awesome zombie picture. Um, so there is my submission, and good luck at your concert. And that's it. Okay, bye. Bye. Okay, first of all, Chad, I have to apologize because, you know, you're, you're giving your call and there's this blip, 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 blip going on in the background. And that's those jackasses over on Skype because uh, it's Sunday night right now and I'm about to sit down and record with the folks over at This Week in Gay. And they just can't wait the next the 20 minutes until start time before they start bothering me. You know, I told them, I'm going to be doing voicemails for my show, so please don't bother me. So what do they do? They bother me. Bastards. Bastards. Um, okay, please don't call me when you're driving. Please don't make me yell at you like I yell at Zombart. And I can't yell right now. I, my throat is very raw. It's very sore and raw. And that rhymed. Shut up, Bradford. Bradford's laughing in the background. He's a bad influence. And... Sweetie, I knew damn well Susan St. James was in McMillan and Wife. And I figured there was no point at all bringing it up with our beloved little Jay Emmett. Because, as he kept pointing out, he's just so young. He's considerably younger than I. And I know he would have been like, huh? He didn't even know who freaking Nadia Komenichi was. Come on, girl. Give me a break. He ain't gonna know McMillan or his wife. Be like, who? And then it'd make me feel awkward and he'd feel all young and superior. And fuck that. Fuck that. The Dead. I've been seeing that pop up on pay-per-view quite a bit. I've avoided it because I don't know how long you've been around, but I tend to avoid this zombie genre. I'm over it as a rule. It's kind of a done death for me. And plus, one of my friends, longtime friends and fellow podcaster, uh, Brother D., has an entire podcast dedicated to nothing but the the zombie genre. So if it's out there, he's probably already covered it, and he's covered the shit out of it. So I I don't really feel the need to cover the same ground that he does. However, if you've told me to watch it, I will watch it. Because you know why? You're going to be held responsible for it. Whether I like it or whether I don't like it, you're going to be put up against the wall. All in all, you're just another queen on the wall. Okay, and Gala. I don't know if that's going to happen. I'm very upset about it. I was supposed to get one of the scholarship waivers for my fees to go, and I don't think I got it. And if I don't get it, I can't go. So that kind of blows. So if I can't go, you have to, like, smack people in Denver for me. Whoever gets my scholarship, find them, smack them in the face. Don't even tell them who it's from. When they ask what happened, you'll be like, oh, you fainted. It's the it's the high altitude. Better get an oxygen mask. Anyway, Chad, thank you for calling in. And um, keep singing, baby. I don't know. I got nothing. Shut up. Shut up. Hello, Patrick. Fanny Arlo here. Hey, I'm Fanny. just phoning. It's St. Patrick's Day. I'm wishing Yay! you, St. Patrick. <laughs> You're my saint of horror and glamour and tiaras no. anyway. Um, Shucks. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, um, we'll come back to I was that. just wondering whether you was any Irishness at all. Um, uh, I have think? half Irishness, even though I was born and brought up in London. Whatevs. Anyway, you were talking about Pan's Labyrinth. Uh-huh. Um, first time I saw it, 
I was totally devastated and crying at the end. Aww. I was at Fright Fest, which is like best horror film festival <sighs> in London. So in, no, jealous. In I know exactly what Fright world. Fest is. Going <laughs> um, <clears throat> and I was just devastated just... and sad and like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. crying I didn't cry really hard I was really trying not to mess up my makeup because uh. it was like the first night of Fright Fest and everyone does themselves up really nice girl. Um, as soon as I walked out some mm-hmm. lady with a camera asking me what I thought of the film <laughs> meh, meh. I don't know what I said to her I can't remember <laughs> it was years ago but, uh, well, it, it weren't ever on telly, as to my knowledge, so that's all right. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, I was really sad. Um, next time I watched it, because I really liked it, but yeah, it just made it. me yeah. sad. It's a sad Next movie. time I watched it, I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I thought, well, yeah, she does end up in, like, the kingdom at the end with the, you know, the king and the queen, and she's a princess, and... Next time I watched it, I thought, I'm going to put a positive note on it in my mind. Uh-huh. And I did that in my mind. Atta girl. And I fixed it. And now I think it's a happy ending. I've programmed. I don't like the sad ending. It makes me too sad. So oh, it's I've programmed it's myself brutal to if make that's it a happy ending. Um, on the point of Fright Fest, yes. you must come. Yes, thank to you. To London. Are you paying my last flight? Last weekend of August. Um, five whole days of... Watching films, um, mostly premieres and it's really awesome. We can do like a uh, uh, exchange program. I'll come over <gasps> and see your crazy haunted houses. <laughs> you can come to Fright Fest. <laughs> I like it. Amazing. Um, we can get government funding. Anyway, um, the only other thing I have to say is that um, I watched Chronicle. I uh, went yes. to the cinema the day before yesterday, and um, it was, it's not a horror film. No. But it was a lot more horrific than what I was expecting. Um, I didn't really know too much about it. Mm-hmm. I kind of watched the first half of the trailer on the internet, and I thought, oh, that's, that looks good. So I switched the trailer off, because, you know, trailers keep spoiling things. So if something... Smell. I like the look of appears. It's like, oh, oh, yeah, I, I want to see that. I'll switch it off. I'll switch it off. Don't uh-huh. want to see no more. I'm right there with you. Um, but, yeah, it was really, really good. I really, really liked it. Um, it was very sad as well. Oh, no, um, no, 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 I haven't seen it. Was, it. La, 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 it was a bit gruesome. horror in there. I would say people of the horror persuasion would probably really like it. And... Um, that's my little recommendation for you. Okay, careful, Fanny. Anyway, I'm have, um, you on the have wall. a lovely St. Patrick's Day, and I will speak to you soon. Bye. I love you. Bye. I love you more. Oh, oh, Fanny, it's terrible. I'm hearing the playback coming through the headphones, and I just everything I say that sounds cute just sounds creepy because my voice is fucked up. Anyway, thank you for wishing me happy St. Patrick's Day. Yes, I've got a touch of the Irish in me. I got a quite large dose of it. What do you think with the name Patrick and the shocker red hair or what's left of it up on the top of my cranium like this and all? No, I'm uh, three quarters Irish and a little bit of German. And we just found out in the last 10 years or so that there's some French in me as well because it turns out grandma had secrets. And that's a whole story that I am not getting into on this podcast. 
not without some cocktails. Yes, uh, did, did I have a happy St. Patrick's Day? Yes, I did, actually, because that was the night of my concert, which you probably already talked about on here. And I had as happy St. Patrick's Day as I possibly can because, in general, I hate St. Patrick's Day. I find it a repulsive holiday for several reasons. First of all, it's like, yay, let's go drink green beer and throw up to celebrate the Catholic Church's complete annihilation of traditional Irish language, culture, and religion. Yay! And then there's the other part of it, because, like, on my way, just the people, I don't know how it is anywhere else, but New York City is gross on St. Patrick's Day. I mean, I had a report of a friend who's like, well, I just got up, it's 10 o'clock in the morning, and there are people already vomiting out in front of my apartment. Because that's what it is. There's just seas of horribly, horribly drunk people walking from my subway to the theater where we were performing at, at you know, 5 o'clock. You know, I guess it was 5 o'clock was my call time. I'm walking over there. I must have jumped over like six puddles of vomit. And it was like we were back living on 14th Street, as for those of you who remember those drunk girl stories. But there was no drunk girls to make fun of. Just gross green bitches. Kiss me. I'm Iris. Yes, but you have your own vomit in your hair. So I'm going to pass. Not to mention the Shamrock Shake. Fuck you, McDonald's. Fuck you so hard with the Shamrock Shake. That's all I got to say. And yes, I know what Fright Fest is. Uh, I used to listen to a... <coughs> excuse me, Mondo Movie, the Mondo Movie podcast. It's, I don't think they're still around anymore, but they always spend a good two or three episodes at Fright Fest, and they always made everything sound really exciting. And I always got tips on what to look for coming down the pikes which was always great. And there's just something about those Mondo movie guys and, you know, certain kinds of Brits, 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 certain kinds of Brits in general. There's something about the way they say fantastic that just sounds really dirty. Like, oh, you know, we went to see, uh, you know, uh, werewolf hookers on wheels and it just sounded fantastic. And, you know, just the way they say, I can't do it because I'm not British, but the way they say I'm fantastic... The way you say fantastic just makes it sound like something really dirty is happening. And I like that. Chronicle, I have not seen it. I have not heard anything bad about it. I would like to see it. Thank you for recommending it, Fanny. And you know what this means? You are now going to be held responsible. You're going to have to take your place on the wall. La, 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 la. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it will happen. And I will remember because I wrote it down on my pad. And I also realized, Fanny, you know, you're from London, and, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I dote over my London fans, you know, like, like, of course, Mr. Woody and everything. And I remember I had a fanfare for him. I had a fanfare specifically for him, not just for him, but for my international listeners, because you are now officially one of my phone friends from around the world. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. And way to go not to cry at Pan's Labyrinth, not to mess your hair up on camera, because you never know when the paparazzi's looking. That's the way to think, not only like a scream queen, but like a drag queen, because that's what Tyra would do, and that's what's important. Okay, thanks for calling, Fanny. Bye. Hey, Patrick. Um, my name's Justin. I'm from the UK. Oh. Um, and I've just started listening to the podcast. Um, First time calling, I'm yay! loving it. Um, um, being a gay man myself and also into horror for a long, long time, um, it's great to get a uh, gay podcast. Um, and I was catching up with some of the episodes, and um, I love the one we were talking about, The Fan, um, which oh. is a bit of a guilty pleasure of mine. <laughs> and I just wondered if you, the version you saw had the, the infamous cut line, which was Michael Bean said to Lauren Bacall, 
how would you like to be fucked with a meat cleaver? <gasps> um, it got cut out of the subsequent no! um, releases on video, but that was in the theatrical um, release, apparently. No! And also, I don't know if you know, that um, uh, Liz Taylor was supposed to play the, the character originally. Um, no! And that's why Lauren Bacall did that. Now, wow. um, hating to do this, but just to say that a little bit of a plug is that I did a podcast myself called um, Hysteria Continues, um, with three other screen queens and a token straight, and we—that's basically uh, all about slasher movies. Um, I Love also it. run the Hysteria Lives um, website, which has been looking at slasher movies for years and years and years now. Um, but I just want to uh, phone in and just say uh, what a fantastic show! And in fact, Screen Queens is probably my favourite podcast there is out there. Um, you have me in stitches, and you make my walk to work so much worthwhile. So thank you, Patrick, and. Keep it up, as it were, um, and I look forward to many more shows. So thanks, and take care from England. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, beg your pardon, Justin. I don't mean to be hawking up phlegm in your ear, because that's hardly a way to say welcome to a new friend. But uh, I guess that's how we're rolling today. But you know what really helps to make a guy feel better when he's feeling under the weather? Not one, but two calls from across the ocean, because I've got another... Phone friend from around the world. Why are all my gay fans in the UK? Not to knock my my gay fans in the US, but I seem to have a disproportionate number of gay fans in the UK. I find it interesting that my own countrymen don't understand me. They're all straight. Not that I don't love you guys, but <laughs> I guess I'm probably huge in Japan too. What am I going to say? I'm actually my NyQuil is kicking in, Justin, which is a cold medicine if you don't know. So I'm getting a tad delirious, but I did want to say a few things. Thank you so much for calling. I love that you're out there and I love then you're involved with Hysteria Continues, which I did not know you guys had a podcast. I'm very well familiar with Hysteria Lives. I used to look at that site all the time, and I'm looking forward to listening to it. I just subscribed on the iTunes. So uh, even though I don't have my iPod still and my phone is a huge pain in the ass when it comes to listening to podcasts, I'm going to try to give this one a whirl as soon as I can. Now everyone always says, Patrick, what's the problem? It's like you got a smartphone, don't you? And I said, yes. And they say, can't you just stream it? And I say, yes, I can. But for the most part, I listen to podcasts when I'm traveling. And when I'm traveling, it means I'm on the subway. And when I'm on the subway, it means I'm underground. And it's really hard to stream shit when you're under the East River, so stop picking on me! Okay, thank you. Um, yes, but I'm very glad I'm hitting my tar- target demographic anywhere. It's, and if it's in the UK, so be it. I love it. I love it. It makes me feel classy. Oh, and speaking of classy, getting fucked with a meat cleaver? That is not pleasant. That was the worst spring fling dance I have ever been to in my entire life. You know, now that you mention it, I do recall that in the version I saw on HBO a thousand years ago. I do not recall it in the version that I watched with Scott the Seder from the Seder Sphere when we talked about it in whatever episode that was. Because I'm sure had there been a mention about being fucked with the chain, uh, chainsaw, a meat cleaver, Scott and I would have been all over it. Because, you know, well, not the, the meat cleaver, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. We might have been a little less obsessed with hots, not diamonds, and a little more obsessed with getting a meat cleaver in your hooch. Because I'm kind of hit. I'm, okay, this is terrible. I'm picturing Lauren McCall getting hit in the hooch with a meat cleaver and it being like 
immediately we're landing in a sandbag, just like clouds of dust. Like that's a terrible thing to say. That's a terrible thing to say. And Liz Taylor, excuse me, was supposed to play that role. Wow, that would have been a very different movie. That would have been a very different, possibly even gayer movie. And the thing is, in the end, she might have just married him. That's how she would have gotten out of it. Anyway, that's an interesting tidbit. And I like interesting tidbits. Yeah, that NyQuil is kicking in because now it's getting me horny. And that's terrible. You got me horny, Justin. You got me high on NyQuil and then you got me horny. You're dirty people. Dirty, 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 dirty UK people. Um, Justin, thank you so much for calling in. I hope this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. I'm very happy to keep you tickled on your walk to work and any place else you'd like me to tickle you. Um, and if you've got a promo for your show, an audio promo for your podcast, please send it along. I will pimp your shit out like the dirty, dirty whore that I know deep down you are. How do I know you're a dirty whore? Because you're listening to this show, goddammit. See, now I've gone into the gutter. I have a nice, classy British caller calling in, being all nice and all respectful. And what do I do? I call him a whore. Well, I guess that's what you tune in for. And you know what? I've degenerated enough that it is time to wrap this puppy up. (coughs) Excuse me, for another week. And apparently my lungs agree. So if you want to be like all these cool people who helped contribute to make this show even better than I made it, you can call the voicemail line at 347-767-3509 or you can write me at crew at screamqueens.com and that's Queens with a Z. You can like me on Facebook, you can follow me on Twitter and you know what else you can do? You can buy the official Scream Queens t-shirt. Come on, kids. It is spring break season coming up. And what is going to chew in your odds of winning that wet t-shirt contest better than having me poking out from between your boobs? Whether they be man boobs, the girl boobs, the man girl boobs, the whatever kind of boobs. Me on your tits means good luck. And plus, all the proceeds from sales of the t-shirt helps keep this show running. And isn't that a great thing, too? If you don't want the t-shirt, by all means, just head over to the webpage and donate. One dollar, five dollars, whatever. But um, anyway, in the next few weeks, like I said last time, things are going to be a little different. I'm scheduled for my surgery, my for my deviated septum surgery on the seventh. So I'm already working on the next show, and it's going to be a little bit different. For the next show, I'm going to be doing an audiobook style thing, doing an audio drama, not an audio drama, but anyway, I'm going to be reading a short story. A short story by none other than the king of awesome himself, Kelly Combrink from the Night of the Living podcast podcast. I'm going to let that wave of amazement just wash through you. Hold on a second. Here it comes again. Yes, I'm going to be reading his story, Mrs. Lumley's Masks, and he's also going to be composing some original music for it. So it's going to be very exciting and very new, and it's going to, I'm going to be working on that up until the time I put me under and stuff. And after that, things are going to be changing as well, because uh, first of all, I'm going to have recoup time, and second of all, I have to take another job, and I don't know how it's going to affect the show yet. The show is not going away. The format might change a bit. It might get a little shorter. It might get a little longer. But it's going to be at least once every two weeks. So don't you fret, little children. Don't you fret, my little freak babies. Don't you freak, my little mutated embryos. I'm not going anywhere. 
So remember, until next time, continue to make the world a creepier place. And remember, as my grandmama used to say, Boy, I have the perfect cure for your laryngitis. It's very warm and it's very salty. And you need to goggle with lots and lots of it. But whatever you do, spit it out. Don't swallow it. It's warm salt water. What the hell did you think I was talking about, you prevert? Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches! We here at the Scream Queens audio podcast humbly apologize for playing the preceding song. You may send letters of complaint to crew at screamqueens.com. But in my defense, I misread the title. I thought the song was called My Pussy Feels Like Jesus. Mea culpa. Mea culpa. Mea maxima culpa. And ew! Gross!